Welcome to the Find Your Leadership Confidence Podcast with Vicki Nedling. You are about to discover impactful lessons that help you grow as an individual, grow your confidence, and find the positive and good within you, so you powerfully and authentically become the best version of yourself. Be sure you visit our website at www.findyourleadershipconfidence.com. While you're there, subscribe to us via your favorite network. Now tune in, get ready, and enjoy the journey of emerging as a leader of exception in the 21st century. Welcome everyone to the Find Your Leadership Confidence podcast. I'm your host, Vicki Nethling, coming to you from Roswell, Georgia. The goal of this podcast is to bring topics and guests that will empower you to become that confident leader and take your business and your life to the next level. Today, I am excited to be talking with Karen Freeland, and let me tell you about Karen. So Karen is a recovered corporate workaholic, right there with you, ma'am. After years of high-pressure leadership roles at Fortune 500 companies, she traded the boardroom for the bedroom in her hilarious (laughs) tell-all award-winning book, The Ins and Outs of My Vagina, a penetrating memoir. She recounts the mishaps and misadventures she's had over the past 40 years with a special partner in crime, her vagina, named V. Women of all ages can relate to this raw and honest journey of first, long-term relationships and finding pleasures. Karen's second book, Grab Life by the Dreams, launched just in September of 2023. Karen is also a speaker and certified life and reinvention coach focused on helping women transform their lives and achieve their dreams. Through her signature Edit Your Life program, she offers one-on-one and group coaching, giving women of all all of the tools and the techniques needed to conquer fears and find their purpose. Karen Freeland is married with two boys. We'll find out how old they are and resides in South Carolina with her dog, Kobe. Our theme today is creating confidence and overcoming fear. Please welcome my guest, Karen Freeland. Thank you, Vicki. It's so good to be here. So you have two boys, ages of what? Yes, uh, 12 and 13. Oh, there you go. Oh. Now we're getting into that uh, teenager's time. We I are. Have, I have grand boys, uh, four and eight. So they oh, wow. still listen to me. <laughs> yeah. My youngest one still thinks I'm cool. The other one depends uh, on the day. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the good thing about boys is that um, when they get into their 30s about, then they come back and they love moms again. (laughs) Yeah. I'm looking forward to that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we always start out with an easy question, which is where do you call home? We said South Carolina, but South Carolina is a bigger state. So where in South Carolina? I am in Greenville, South Carolina. I've been here for just about two years now. So not too far from you, actually. No, uh, you really, um, my brother-in-law has a lake house at Hartwell. Oh, beautiful. Just 30 minutes away from Greenville. And we actually got to see Greenville go from a quiet, sleepy town to a great, great city to live in right now. 
Uh, we picked such an amazing place to start a business and to, to call home and raise our children. I mean, we came from New Jersey, so we're very used to the hustle and bustle. We lived yeah. in Queens and New York City for many oh, years. Wow. So uh, it was the change we didn't know we needed until we got here and really have been just so happy yeah. with the move. Yeah, we'll have to get together and have a lunch sometime. Oh, that would Green, be fun. Greenville is just such a great, great city. It really is. All right. So let's get into this. Yeah. I, I, I gave your background, but um, I just want to have a little bit of the backstory, you know, give us a yeah. little bit about what led you from the corporate world to this journey of where you are today. Yeah, for sure. So I really call myself that corporate workaholic. I spent 15 years chasing paychecks, chasing the titles. And it was really interesting because I didn't start out that way. Right? I started out uh, following my dreams, going after being an actress and auditioning and really not worrying about money or any of that stuff. And when I got into the corporate world, all of a sudden, everything changed for me. It was like, oh, I've never had the means to go shopping and buy all these nice things. And I got what I say is addicted to the money drug yeah. and really just was like, how high could I get? Let's just see where I could get to in, in the companies. But what happened is the higher I got, the worse my confidence was, the more yeah. imposter syndrome I experienced. And I don't know if it's just that I was in marketing or that I worked at particularly toxic <laughs> companies, but it felt like no matter what I did, it was never good enough. And I always mm -hmm. had to justify my existence, my decisions, the moves that I was making, the things that I decided not to do. And it really got so exhausting and I wasn't fulfilled. Mm -hmm. And I thought, what if I could go back to the old Karen, the Karen that wasn't worried about money, that didn't put that first, that actually was doing things that were fulfilling her and brought her happiness. Yeah. Like, what would that look like for me now? And that's really the whole genesis of my reinvention. Yeah. Some of us had to wait till we retired to be able to get there, but I absolutely know what you're talking about. Yeah. So did you think that this was a midlife crisis or did you just say, you know, I've had enough. Like for me, whenever I turned 50, I graduated from college Yeah, and I thought, holy crap, I actually do know what I'm talking about, yeah. <laughs> but it was like at 50, I had no desire to climb the cor corporate ladder any longer. I thought, you know what? Yeah. I'm just going to do stuff that makes me happy. Yeah, I think that's beautiful. And, you know, I definitely call myself as having a midlife crisis. That's exactly how I identified with it. I didn't mm -hmm. realize it, that that's what was going on at first. Um, but we had a couple of deaths in the family. Mm -hmm. And I talk about it in chapter one of Grab Life by the Dreams, where I call it, and I don't know if I can say this word on the podcast, but I call it your oh shit moment. Yeah. And <laughs> it's that moment where you really realize that your time is eventually going to be up, that it's your time is finite. Mm -hmm. And while I think we all know to some degree that we are going to eventually leave this earth and go on to whatever's next, but I mean, it hit me in a way that was like, this is the end of a generation. My parents are up next. And then me, what is this all for? There's yeah. gotta be something more. And I wish that at that moment I'd had all the answers, but like most people, we don't, we're, we feel stuck. We feel frustrated. Um, mm -hmm. We are maybe not feeling that confident about making a leap, 
and I was in that place. And so I really turned to a lot of drinking to Mm. numb the pain. I dived into my work even harder and became a bigger workaholic and, you know, did did a lot of self-sabotaging things until I finally felt like I was at the rock bottom There was nowhere to go, but up. And I just decided one day, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to feel like this anymore. I don't want to live like this anymore. Something has to change. And through, you know, having a coach and a bunch of self-reflection, I was able to really turn the ship around. So as you were talking about that, a couple of things went through my mind. So you're married, you Mm -hmm. have teens. Mm -hmm. All of this is going on with you. How were you navigating being a mom, being a wife, being that workaholic, feeling that pressure. And I imagine during the COVID time, that's whenever I saw so many people kind of have that, as you said, oh shit moment of mm-hmm. people are dying all around me. And yeah, what am I leaving this world with? So what lessons did you, were you able to teach your two boys about resilience? Oh my goodness. Probably a lot, a lot more than I could probably even articulate. I mean, I was navigating it all so poorly for so long and COVID, although terrible and, you know, a devastating experience for all of us, it did have silver linings. It sure did. One of those being like my marriage never was better than when COVID was going on because we, a lot of couples didn't enjoy that alone time, but we needed that so badly. And we ended up cutting cable and we just, every night we would have tea and we would sit down and we would talk and we would reflect on things. And we just had big, deep conversations that we hadn't had even probably when we were dating. It was just such a rebirth for our relationship. And at the same time, I was starting my business as a life coach and the kids were watching me write my first book. And they were like, they saw the passion and how excited Mm. I was. And they'd be like, mommy, how's your book going? Did you, what what chapter did you write today? And they were so interested in what I was doing and proud of me. You know, like one of my boys the other day was looking at my new book and he was like, I can't believe you wrote this. I'm so proud of you. And I was like, wow, like they never said that when I was in corporate. Way to yeah. go on that PowerPoint, mom. I'm so proud of you. Well, well, and if you think about it, you know, you probably had like a 10th of time with them because yeah. you were always busy doing, getting ready for the next day or right. solving problems. And now I agree with you. To me, COVID was necessary to slow us down. Yeah, We needed to understand that we cannot be on this, you know, hamster wheel for the rest of our lives. Correct. Yeah. So what reservations did you have about writing that first book? Um, (laughs) All of them, a lot. And I still have them because actually today my son came home and said, one of the boys on my cross country team asked me if you were an author and he found your book. And so all the emotions come up, right? Like, oh, is this kid going to read it? is he going to tell my son what's in it? You know, are their parents going to find out? What are they going to think? And those were a lot of the initial reservations I had. The book actually sat for three months before I decided to officially publish it. Wow. Because I was worried about what people would say about me or think about me. 
but I had to go back to my why. And so anybody who's grappling with a decision and thinking about doing something big and bold and scary, um, go back to your why. And for me, it was so much of my life. I was ashamed of my body. I thought my body was broken. I thought I felt very alone, very ashamed. I mean, I talk about my miscarriage that I went through silently. No one knew, but my parents and my husband, I didn't talk to anyone about it. And I thought, you know, if this story helps one woman cope or one woman better understand her body or love her body and accept her body and and then have the confidence to go do other amazing things, whatever that is for them in their life, then my gosh, it's so worth it. I would be selfish to hold yes, the story absolutely. back. Absolutely. So we have a, a bit of in common. Um, although I had two miscarriages, but for me, mm-hmm. I always found the more I talked about it, the better mm-hmm. I could get through it. And yes. just as you said, I knew if this is how I felt, uh, I didn't want anybody else to feel alone when they were going through that. So yeah. um, I give you kudos for uh, doing that. And, you know, it, it, you wrote about what life is and um, yeah. so there you and go. And it's very much of my be second. Off- yeah. Be authentic, be vulnerable. Yes. Yes. And very much with my second book. I mean, that first chapter, I I open right up with me having a panic attack in the bathroom at 243 in the morning. (laughs) And it is not pretty. And it is a, you know, it is a deep scene and the pain and the struggle that I was going through for so many months. Mm. And I didn't know who I could talk to. Who am I supposed to tell that I'm terrified of dying? I don't even want my husband to know that I'm feeling this way because I don't want him to think I'm a head case, you know? (laughs) And so Mm. there's all these labels and these things that we associate with, uh, you know, mental health struggles or these even, I don't even know if it is a mental health thing when you're just facing death. I mean, we all go through it, right? But we handle it differently. And I just felt so isolated. And I thought, my gosh, if there's one other woman who is out there and crying every day in her job and feeling like stuck and frustrated and I can help her, I, again, I have to share the story. Yeah. And, and sometimes, you know, I think I always say speakers sometimes do a speech, not because, other people need to hear it, but they need to just put it out there. They need to Mm. just say it. Whenever my, uh, I was 12 when my grandfather, who I loved, loved dearly, my um, mother's father, and he fell down the stairs and and broke a broke rib, but they sent him home because he was 72 years old and, you know, broken rib, there's nothing you can do. They did an x-ray the situation and both of his ribs or two of his ribs were broken, but one was broken such that it punctured and an organ and caused him to have a 12 inch blood clot that killed him in five days. Totally unexpected. One day I see the man in his bed at home laughing and the next day he's gone. And, and so for me, I, that wasn't the first time I ever wrote anything and it was for school. We had to write a paper for some contest, American women or, or history. I don't know. Yeah. But but I wrote the story about my grandfather and that got me through it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, you know, what, you know, the books that we write, the, the speeches that we do sometimes are needed for healing. Yeah. So cathartic, so therapeutic and mm-hmm. 
Yeah, it, it has been a wonderful experience and yeah. I really enjoy writing. You know, I think it's a great way to just sort through all your thoughts. Yeah, for sure. So why do you think, according to some reports, that 98% of the people die without living their dreams? Oh, yeah. It's a four-letter word. It's fear. (laughs) I mean, there's no other way to slice it when you think about why you don't take a risk or why you don't go for a dream. It comes down to fear. Sometimes fear of failure, sometimes fear of success. Yeah. But, you know, we're afraid of change. And I can appreciate that. I mean, it took a lot to walk away from a six-figure salary and, you know, the security of that paycheck every week and do something on my own and try to make it as an entrepreneur and, you know, but I wouldn't trade it for the world. I'm so happy. Mm. I'm so fulfilled. I love the journey. I'm always learning something new and it's exciting, but yeah, fear is, um, (laughs) <laughs> you know, heard someone say it once. This isn't mine. I can't take credit for it, but it was uh, false evidence appearing real. And yeah. that has always stuck with me because it really is. We make it out to be so much scarier than it needs to be. Yeah. I always, when I talk about confidence and leadership, I always say that confidence is really courage. Mm. It is yes. courage to try something new and know that you're going to screw it up. You're going to fail. You're going to suck at it (laughs) and you still do it. You still do it. And, and that's how you grow. And that's how you, you really become a new you. And, um, and as we talked about earlier, I think, you know, it is so true. People go through life almost on autopilot and forget Mm -hmm. about being present so that you can be able to create and make your dreams come true. That's right. And I love what you say about it being courage, confidence being courage. Yeah. And if I could, I'll just read a quick excerpt from my book. Um, I, tr- I give women a new definition of confidence. And so yeah. here it is. It's confidence is a deep trust in your own capabilities and a desire to try something new or different. Understanding that even if things don't work out, because we know they won't, right? There's got to be something that goes wrong. You'll have learned something in the process. So there, there is no such thing really as failure. It's all learning. It's exactly all, right. You know, right? Yeah. So we could just take the word failure out of our vocab and because <laughs> it's just a yucky word anyway. It makes you feel bad when you say it. So it's like, hey, that didn't go the way I wanted, but I learned something and I've grown yeah. now and I have a new skill set. And, you know, yeah, we get to do it scared. Yeah. And the, the, the thing is everything, whenever it's new, it can be scary, but also it really can be so exciting. It gives you that chance to be creative and innovative. But if you stay in that box of fear and never, and stay in that comfort level, you really don't grow. You really don't evolve. And, and really life is boring if you, yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then the thing that's so funny is like, we act like this is our comfort zone and it's always been yeah. our comfort zone, right? Like B2B mm-hmm. marketing was my comfort zone. It's like, but I didn't know B2B marketing. I came into corporate as a B2B trainer and then yeah. I went into sales operations and you know, but every time I stretched myself and I grew that all of a sudden became part of my new normal. So when I was an entrepreneur, it was like, oh my gosh, I got to learn email systems and mail or light. And I got to figure out how to build a website. And every time I would conquer it, I would be like, 
got this. You know, I felt yeah. so proud of myself and so accomplished. And that now was part of my new normal. It's just a set of skills that I now have and know what to do. And right. every day I'm learning something new. Yeah. And you know, if you don't know how to do it and you don't want to learn how to do it, then hire somebody to do it for you, exactly. you know, delegate yes. And, yes. and they can teach you as they go, as they do it. But you no, know, don't let that stop you. Yeah. That was one of the best investments I made in my business was hiring a virtual assistant. And yeah. I remember for so many months humming and hawing about it. Do I have the money and the income is, can I support this? And my gosh, since hiring her, I've been bringing in more money and it's like, yeah. why didn't I just do this sooner? But again, it's having that confidence, right? To just try something new and, and it's not exactly. permanent. You can always change. Yep. Well, you will change. You should change. Yeah. So what do you think the biggest challenge has been thus far in your journey as an entrepreneur? Mm. Staying focused on, <laughs> uh, stay, well, staying focused, right? I mean, end yeah. period. <laughs> yeah, end of sentence. But um, it really is staying focused on my why, my mission, my goals, and not getting caught up in the social media um, show that is uh, seven-figure coaches, right? Because every time you go on Instagram or you go on social media, there's another coach. And I'm sure for any industry that you're in, right, there's somebody out there who's claiming to be doing, you know, $500,000 months. And if you're not, you're going, what am I doing wrong? Um... And then I realized I'm not doing anything wrong because I don't want, that's not why I got into coaching. That's not why I got into having my own business. I wanted freedom and flexibility. And do I have mm -hmm. those two things? Yes, I do. Okay. Then let me get back on that happy train and stop looking at what others have because their mission and purpose might be different than mine. And that's yeah. okay. So yeah, staying focused and just staying in my own lane, competing with myself. I interviewed someone recently and they talked about, you know, stop competing with the Joneses and the Johnsons. Yeah. And you know, it, I, I often look and I think, am I happy in this house I have? Am I, is my car getting me to where I need to go? Yeah. So do I have to have a bigger house? Do I have to have a better car? You know, no. If, yeah. am I happy in what I'm doing every day? And that's the bottom line. A thousand percent. So you, you talk about being a coach and I'm a coach as well, but what advice do you have for others who want to go into coaching and they don't know where to start? Oh, well, I mean, first of all, just do it. I see a <laughs> lot of coaches that spend countless hours on trainings and more certifications and all these things. And you don't need it, right? Like if you have a process, if you have something that you can teach other people, if you can ask people good thought-provoking questions that get them to think about their life in a way that they never have before, you are ready to go coach. So yeah. just start. Um, and I think my other piece of advice would be just to be really authentic and, and be prepared to put yourself out there. You know, nobody... I mean, I don't mind social media. I don't love it all the time, um, but it's a part of putting yourself out there. And if we have to show up in order for people to find us, so just be prepared for to do some social media and, and embrace it. You don't have to dance on TikTok and do all that crazy stuff, but you do have to show up pretty regularly and yeah. put yourself out there if you want to be found. 
I think that um, just a couple things from what you said, first of all, you know, like for me, I'm 65, <laughs> I got years of experience. <laughs> so the, the second piece of that is, so as a coach or anything in life, become that active listener, listen yeah. so that you are really understanding what's being said, listen deeply. So you hear mm -hmm. those hidden messages that are coming across. And that's when you become a better coach because people yes. sometimes reveal things and they have no idea that, of what golden piece that they just revealed to you. And, um, and sometimes it takes that outside person looking in to really uh, get things unblurry. I was just looking at my, one of yeah. my sayings that I have that I buy my, and it says, when life gets blurry, adjust your focus. Mm, mm -hmm. I love that. Yeah, yeah. And even a lot of clients will say things, but it's surface level. And so if you don't take it at surface level and you probe a little deeper, then you'll start to get some of that juice uh -huh. out there too. That's and that's the golden part of piece. bringing it into focus, right? Yeah, that's the golden piece. You know, never stop with first question. Mm -hmm. Just like, so tell me more. But mm -hmm. because as you do that, people really, because as you said, they, they only want to give you so much sometimes. Right. But they can't get things unstuck if they, mm -hmm. if you stay at that one level. So, all right, time is flying by. So we do have a time for maybe one or two sure. rapid fires. So what advice would you give someone that says, Karen, I am so stuck. How can you help me? Yeah. My first thing is turn inward, put those blinders on, stop looking at what everybody else is doing, grab out a journal and start asking yourself, what do you want out of this life? What's working well, what's not working and really start asking yourself why, what yeah. if you could wave a magic wand and change something about your life. What would you change and why? Like, just ask those questions and allow yourself to journal openly without self-editing. Yeah. That's where yeah. I get a lot of my nuggets from and my clients do as well. Yeah. Don't edit or modify what you write. Just write it. <laughs> yeah. And don't worry about the how or any of yeah. that, you know, yeah. because I remember, you know, the first time I wrote in my journal, one of the things I said was I, I want to find another job, but I don't think that I can find one that will pay me as much. And it wasn't until I went back and read that and go, why would I say that? Of course I can find <laughs> another job that will pay me that much. But if I hadn't looked at it and called myself out, that limiting belief would have still been in my head and would have been dictating everything that I was doing doing subconsciously. So it's really important to get that stuff out on paper. Yeah. So what's the worst piece of career advice that you've ever received? Oh, take the job and then negotiate. Give me a break. And that came from a guy. So I roll there. I was like, thanks, buddy. I'm like, I really thought coming to you, who is very high in the organization and obviously does very well for yourself, would have some solid advice to give me about how I can negotiate my way up. But no, if it was just, we'll just take the job and then you can negotiate. Okay. Yeah. So terrible advice. Yeah. <laughs> Once you're in the job, they have no incentive to pay you anymore. So never take the job first. Yeah. And, but also, when you're looking at the di different jobs, don't discount the skills that you have that may not be written on your resume. Oh, yes. 
And that was a big one for me when I was interviewing for chief of staff. And I I always share that example in my confidence talks, because I was looking at all the men that had gone for that role before me, and they all had financial acumen experience. And I did not, I'd never been in a position where I had to read a profit and loss statement. And what they really needed though, was a marketer. They needed a storyteller. They needed somebody who could come in and connect the dots from the vision of the leadership down to the very front level, and then take the frontline employee feedback and bring it back up to leadership in a way that they would understand. That was me, but nowhere in the job description did it say that. And so, yeah, leverage those unspoken skills and things that you have that you can bring to the table. And I think what you said is a really good point from my years of experience the best leaders that I ever had were people that recognized that they did not have to be the smartest person in the room, that they could hire people that knew the finances, knew the strategy, knew whatever, but they had to be able to connect with people in the organization such that, that all of their folks believed in the vision understood how what they did was part of the vision mm-hmm. and would do anything to make it happen. That's right. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. But there's not a lot of those people out there. <laughs> it's few and far between. And and it's getting smaller by the day because the more companies that make their working women come back to their working moms come back to the office, the more that they call me and go, Karen, help me make my exit plan. Like, get me out of here. I got to figure out what's next. Yeah. Yeah. But see, that's why I teach the youth um, how to find their voice, because I hope that at some point that won't be the case and people will understand how important stories are to making your point. Yeah. You know, it just doesn't have to be facts and figures. All right. It's time now for us to uh, be able to get contact information for Karen. If you are just listening in, As I tell you every time, you should have had a paper and pencil from the start, but if you did not, go grab that right now so that you can be able to uh, take down the information. It will be on my findyourleadership.com website as well as my YouTube um, site, but um, here it is. It is https colon forward slash forward slash www.karenfreeland.com and that's k-a-r-i-n-f-r-e-e-l-a-n-d.com she is on facebook karen.freeland linkedin is karen freeland avilis that's k-a-r-i-n-f-r-e-e-l-a-n-d-a-v-i-l-e-s instagram she's karen freeland youtube just search for karen freeland and twitter Karen Freeland. I'm going to turn it over to Karen Freeland to talk to you about her call to action, what you can find on those websites and her books and all those great things. Yeah, absolutely. And actually my new book that just came out, Grab Life by the Dreams, all of them are available on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, wherever books are sold digitally, but you can go to karenfreeland.com forward slash dreams and check out more about Grab Life by the Dreams. And there might even be a special gift there for some download, some journey prompts. So you'll have to go check it out. But if you want to get unstuck, the best thing to do is go to karenfreeland.com forward slash six hyphen secrets. And that is going to give you my free e-guide with six secrets to get unstuck today. And I promise you, if you start to apply those, you're going to see a major shift. 
Awesome. So thank you so much for being a great guest. I love chatting with you. I look forward to reading your books and um, being able to take advantage of those six steps as well. I'm not stuck, but you never know. You know, like we said, we keep on adding new things. And there's yes. always a time when I'm going to get stuck. I promise you, I know it's coming. <laughs> yes, I know. It is cyclical. <laughs> that's right. It, you know, but that's that's the thing that I think takes away the fear um, that I can just laugh about it and know, okay, I will get through this. It's not going to kill me. And I just have to do those six secret steps to get by. That's right. Well, thank you so much, Karen, for being such a great guest. And as always, I remind everyone that life is a journey and it's up to you to enjoy the ride. This is Vicki Nettling saying I'm signing off. Thank you for tuning into the Find Your Leadership Confidence Podcast with Vicki Nettling, where we share impactful lessons that help you grow as an individual, grow your confidence, and find the positive and good within you so you powerfully and authentically become the best version of yourself. Remember to visit our website at www.findyourleadershipconfidence.com and enjoy even more great episodes like this one. Again, while you're here, subscribe to us via your favorite network. We look forward to seeing you next time on the Find Your Leadership Confidence Podcast.